Good morning, my brothers and sisters. I hope we are all doing well in our homes. And we pray that God's word will, will be clear and will give us some illumination in our minds and hearts. Amid what is happening, we need all the more to pray and to pray for our nation. So today's message is about Daniel and his prayer. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we humbly come before your throne. We acknowledge and recognize you to be the great, awesome, and sovereign God, creator of the universe. We are thankful that you have sent Jesus Christ our Savior, our Lord, Messiah, King. Teach us to pray, to pray for our nation. And open our eyes to your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. I shall be reading from the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. That's Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Please join me in reading God's word. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord! The great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Verse 7, Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame. As it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away, in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. 
Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God. For we have sinned against him. Verse 12. Thus he has confirmed his words, which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us, to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds, which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. Verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned. We have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. Praise God for the reading of his word. God would bring... Israel back to Jerusalem after scattering them. His word proved to be true as he revealed it through Moses in the book of the law. And more recently from this reading, Jeremiah, the writings of the prophet Jeremiah, God decreed that he will scatter them from the land he gave them should they disobey the covenant. God also decreed that he will bring them back should they return to him. God raised the Babylonians to fulfill his judgment, to enact his discipline upon his people. 
So the Babylonians raided Jerusalem, exiled their people. The Babylonians were God's tool for discipline. And they suffered under Babylon, although some of them prospered, but they were not allowed to rebuild their city. Then God raised the Medo-Persians to conquer the Babylonians. For what purpose? God is a God of purpose. For what purpose? So that God may show mercy through the Persians. Mercy to Israel. The Persian rulers would allow the Jewish people to return. And Daniel wrote to encourage the Jewish people that God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth. During the first year of the reign of Darius, Daniel studied the writing of the prophet Jeremiah. He discovered that God planned, he determined that Jerusalem would be desolate in ruins for 70 years. You can find that in Jeremiah 25, verses 11 to 12. The information that Daniel studied moved him to pray. And that's what happens to us as well. As we study God's word, it also moves us to pray. Daniel was moved to pray. He would pray for the will of God, which was the return of the people to Jerusalem. He would pray for God's will to happen. Some might be asking, if it's God's will, why should we pray for it? That is God's design. He wants us involved in his process. Does he need us? No, he doesn't need us. Does he want us involved? Yes. Let me read verses 1 and 2 again of Daniel 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So Daniel brought himself low before God after knowing, after knowing this. By the time of his prayer, it was probably four years before 70 years. He fasted, which was an act of humbling the soul. Fasting is an act of humbling the soul to show dependence on God alone. He put on sackcloth and ashes. The ancient Jews used sackcloth and ashes to symbolize their grief, submission, and repentance. In verse 3, it says, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. In his prayer, Daniel first recognized who God was as the great and awesome God. In today's lingo, 
Awesome means amazing. It's like uh, an expression. Awesome. That's awesome. In today's lingo, it's amazing. But in this context, awesome meant terrifying or dreadful. Let me say that again. In this context of the prayer, awesome doesn't mean you're, you're amazing, God. It me meant you are dreadful, terrifying. After what you've done to Jerusalem, after you disciplined, he saw how terrifying God could be in his discipline. So Daniel, in his prayer, addressed God as one who keeps his covenant. Yes, he said, you're great, you're awesome, but you're also the one who keeps your covenant. In other words, the one who will keep the promises he made. You see, God kept his promise to scatter them if they disobeyed. But he will also keep his promise that if they return to him first, he will return them back to the promised land. So Daniel also appealed to his loving kindness for those who love and obey him. Take note, loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. I will read chapter 9, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. It is noteworthy that Daniel identified with the sins of his forefathers by using the words we and us. Daniel did not just say they sinned. Of course, he knew they sinned. And he did say they sinned, but he also said we sinned. He counted himself as one of his people. This is intercessory prayer. Praying on behalf of others. One who prays for others yet also identifies with the sins of the others. Even if one seems guiltless or less guilty. Daniel confessed the sins, even though these were the sins of his forefathers, of his grandfathers, and his fathers. But he confessed as if it were his sins. He confessed the wickedness, the rebellion against God. He confessed ignoring the words of the prophets sent to the rulers. Let me read verses 5 and 6. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Yes, Daniel, no, they sinned. He was probably very young when he was exiled. But he identified that he was also wicked. 
Even though he did not commit everything, perhaps. But he confessed. And we know Daniel's story, that he is an upright man. But when praying for his nation, he was one with his nation. He was guilty with his nation. So it's not good to hear Christians blaming they should offer concrete solutions. And they should identify with the sin, as well as preach the gospel so that there will be change. But we preach the gospel not because we want change. We preach the gospel because we were told to preach the gospel, because that is God's plan. Daniel acknowledged the righteousness of God in bringing judgment to his people. He also accepted that he, he and his people deserve the shame that they experience. It is shameful to lose in battle and to lose your land, not belonging to any country. And Daniel was saying in his prayer that, Lord, I know why you did it. I know why you did it. And Lord, you are right. You are correct to do it. And we were wrong. Daniel did not blame God. Nor do we see that he did not, we do not see him blaming his fathers or grandfathers. He just went to God and humbled himself and prayed on behalf of his people. I will read verse 7, chapter 9 of Daniel. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame. As it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Yes, Daniel knows it was their deeds, yet he identified. He said, Lord, you are right. If we understand the sovereignty of God, then we shall pray that way. We trust in his will. It was a terrible thing that happened. But God kept his word to discipline Israel. And he did. But Daniel is trusting in what God also promised, that he will restore Israel. He will restore the inhabitants of Jerusalem if the people turn back. He was presenting himself as one of those who would turn back. And we know that many others would Daniel admitted before God that the former rulers of his nation and his ancestors deserved to be shamed because of sin against God. But Daniel brought up God's compassion and forgiveness. Ah, God's compassion and forgiveness. Yet he kept stating his people's rebellion for not obeying his teachings and his warnings through the prophets. 
Some of us might pray more and appeal more to His compassion and forgiveness, and we should. But we should recognize our sin and the sins of our people. We should acknowledge that shame belongs to us and righteousness belongs to God. Yes, God is compassionate. But let us not forget, He is just as He has shown to Israel. Daniel 9, verses 8 to 10, Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets." Daniel knew what was written in the law of Moses, that God would scatter Israel from the land if they disobeyed God. You can also find that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 25 to 27. Moses gave clear warnings of curses should they disobey the Lord. Daniel recognized the consequences of their sins. What has happened is a consequence of sin. In verse 11, it says, Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. God's act of judgment confirms his covenant with Israel through Moses. He brought the destruction and desolation to his own people, for God keeps his word. Daniel realized that nothing like this had happened to Israel before. This was terrible. And God did it out of his righteousness. God is righteous. God is awesome. God is true to his word. If he said he'll do it, he'll do it. If that's written in his word, you can expect it. Verse 12, thus he has confirmed his words which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us, to bring on us great calamity, for under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. Daniel felt ashamed before God, because even though everything God said came to pass, none, according to Daniel's words, None have sought to regain his favor. They just suffered, but they, they did not seek God's favor. None have shown repentance, and none went back to the precepts of God. Verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, 
All this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. That's verse 13. Even though the calamity has happened, he said, we have not sought your favor, O God. We have not turned away from our sin. We have not paid attention to your truth. Daniel affirmed that the calamity came from God himself. Please. The calamity came from God himself. Because of his righteousness. And because the deeds of Israel for not obeying his voice. Many people think that God does not bring calamity. Which is of course untrue. They have not read their Bibles. Or have not studied it carefully. Because of his righteousness and justice. He may send calamity if he sees fit. God is patient. And many times he would withhold his wrath. He would withhold his justice. But if he sees fit, he will unleash it. You know, Daniel knew as a good student of their history that it was God's loving kindness that saved Israel from Egypt. God saved Israel. Loving kindness. Oh, but don't forget, God destroyed Egypt with ten plagues, including the death of their firstborn, and the death and defeat of many of the army of, of Egypt in the Red Sea. As he saved one nation, he destroyed and judged another one. It's the same God. That's why we trust in his mercy, yet we also fear him. We trust in his loving kindness and compassion, yet we show reverence to him. Verse 14, therefore the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done. But we have not obeyed his voice. Daniel would remind God, not that God needs reminding, he knows everything, but somehow perhaps he wants to hear it from us. Daniel mentioned how God delivered Israel from Egypt, showing that Daniel had not forgotten. Daniel showed that he knew who he was praying to. He's praying to the Almighty God. Daniel appealed to God's kindness and strength and glory from history. God was kind to Israel. And he showed his strength for Israel. And he showed his glory. 
Yet once again, Daniel admitted and identified with the sins of his people as if he kept confessing. He would not stop confessing before God. The contrast was made so clear in Daniel's prayer. What contrasts how righteous God is and how we are such sinners? And friends, that is the way to win God's favor. We exalt Him for who He is. Yet, we approach Him with the deepest humility possible. Verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made the name for yourself as it is this day. We have sinned. We have been wicked. Daniel made his request very clear. And he knew God was angry. And he was just. Does God get angry? Yes, yes, and yes. He is patient, very patient. But he does get angry. That's why I see some posts on Facebook. God is not angry at you. How would you know? Do you know the mind of God in that aspect? How would you know? There is mercy provided through Christ. But the wrath of God is already revealed against all ungodliness. You can find that in Romans chapter 1. Thus, the request of Daniel was for God to turn away his anger and wrath from Jerusalem. Daniel stated the obvious. God's people have become a disgrace. We have lost our country. We've been scattered all over. But Daniel did not blame God. He knew that Israel's disgrace was their own doing. Yes, Daniel knew that Israel's disgrace was their own doing. And we believe that, that God is sovereign above all, yet man is totally responsible for his actions. Well, if there was anyone to be blamed, it's not God. Verse 16, O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. Daniel 9, 16. You know, then Daniel makes an interesting plea. He acknowledged that God, that God owns everything. Everything belongs to God. Your, the word your, Y-O-U-R. He would say in the next verses, your anger, your wrath, your city, your holy mountain, your servant for your sake, your face, your desolate sanctuary, your ear, your eyes, and your name. As if Daniel was saying that 
you are righteous and we are at fault. But isn't this your city that bears your name? Are not we your servants after all? So Lord, please stop being angry. Verse 17, so now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications for your sake, O Lord. Let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. We'll get back to a few of those your. Daniel prayed alone. He prayed alone. But he said we. He prayed on behalf of Israel. He said we. And it was wise that he did not approach God by any merit of his own. Not because he's upright. Before God, no one is. No one. And there's no merit. Daniel was asking God to grant his request, not because he has merits, but because of his great compassion. Not because there is good in the people. There's none. But he pleaded for his compassion. Verse 18, I shall read. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. Daniel's heart cried out to God to forgive, for God to take action. Daniel pleaded for the sake of his name, for the glory of his name. He's praying for the glory of your name. The city that lies desolate and the people who were put to shame bear his name. Lord, the city you destroyed still bears your name. So have mercy, O Lord. The people you scattered still bears your name. Oh, that every worshiper of God and everyone who would pray would pray for the glory of his name. But only true believers will do that. Fake believers only pray for their needs. What I need, O oh Lord, what I want, O oh Lord. For my comfort, Lord, for my healing, Lord, for my provision, Lord. They, all, they can only think of themselves. They would not pray for the glory of his name. Oh, that we would pray more for the glory of his name. Last verse, Daniel 9, verse 19. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and take action for your own sake. O oh my God, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. God would respond to Daniel's prayer. 
but not immediately. Ah, patience was needed. But in due time, God would bring the people back to Jerusalem in batches. God raised Zerubbabel and Ezra to bring back the people and rebuild the city. And he raised Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Jerusalem was essential in the plan of God. In the grand plan of God, Jerusalem was essential and still is. For in Jerusalem, the Messiah would suffer, die, and rise again. Let me say that. For in Jerusalem, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, would suffer, die, and rise again. That's why Jerusalem had to be restored. Daniel's prayer is rich in meaning. Rich in meaning. One might learn many spiritual lessons. Here are a few lessons for every believer today. One, one must study God's word. Daniel understood God's plan when he read the prophecies of Jeremiah. He also understood God's decrees in the writings of Moses. Therefore, Daniel prayed according to scripture. He knew the will of God. He knew how God would think. He knew how God would receive him if he comes humbly and he recognizes what happens and return to God. Daniel prayed according to Scripture. The Bible said all Scripture is inspired by God. Thus, every believer should study the Bible carefully. And pray for all that God promised through Christ. May the Bible, may the Holy Scriptures guide our prayers. Number two, one must pray in such a way that acknowledge, acknowledges the sovereign God. That God is sovereign. He raised a nation, Babylon, to discipline Israel. But when the time was ripe, God overthrew Babylon with another one, Persia, to show his mercy to Israel. Pray, pray knowing that he is in control. And that he is above all powers. Furthermore, one must praise God for who he is. The great and terrifying God. Let's not forget that. Yet, he is compassionate. Righteous and the one who keeps his promises. Number three, one must confess personal sins and also identify with the sins of the people. Thus, if one prays for one's nation, if we pray for our nation, we must confess our sins and the sins of our people. As if we are guilty. That kind of confession. Not a blaming kind of prayer. One should approach God and say that we have sinned, O Lord. Not merely they have sinned. Judge them, Lord. They have sinned. I don't think that's the proper way to pray for one's nation. 
Moreover, when one confesses sins, one should never make excuses. No excuses. Daniel did not give an excuse. There is no excuse before God. Number four, one must learn to humble self before the presence of God. For God gives greater grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. One cannot approach God with pride and self-confidence. Daniel was an upright man in human terms. But he knew that when, when he approached God, when he would approach a sovereign God, he must approach in deep humility. Because all have sinned, all shall be damned to eternal punishment. Yet Christ who died for our sins and rose from the dead, he offers forgiveness to all who repent of their sins and trust him for their salvation. Number five, one must pray for the glory of his name. Let me say that again. We must pray for the glory of his name. Daniel pleaded for his name's sake. Because Jerusalem bears his name and his people bear his name. One must have a real concern for the glory of God. We must have a desire for the glory of God to be manifested. And if we have that desire for the glory and magnificence of God, it would lead us to prayer for the glory of his name. And prayer to boldly request him to take action. Brothers and sisters, let us pray in our time and era where we preach Christ and the gospel. We must pray for the glory of Christ. How? By praying that the preaching of the gospel would spread and those whom he would call to come to him in repentance and faith. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your message. Teach us to pray knowing that you are great, awesome, and sovereign. Teach us to pray that we must approach you in deep humility, that there is no merit on our own. We only approach through the grace of Jesus Christ. Teach us to pray, O Lord. Teach us to identify with the sins of our people, of our nation. Teach us to confess our sins as if we are one of them. Have mercy on our nation, Lord. Have mercy on the Philippines, we pray. We have sinned against you. We have turned to idols and the teachings of men. We have raised men. We have deified men and prayed to men. Men who have died and we have called saints. Some even we pray more than to Christ. Forgive us, O Lord. We have ignored your word. We have trusted in soothsayers and fortune tellers instead of your word. We have blamed instead of praying. Instead of being better citizens, we just blamed others. Lord, bring repentance and the fear of the Lord upon this nation. Yet, Lord, we pray, spare our nation, Lord. 
from COVID-19 and from other calamities. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the God of peace fill you with his peace. May the great and awesome God reveal himself in your heart. May he remove the blindness from our eyes that we may see his majesty and his glory and his sovereign power over all. God bless you. Good day.